I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Kiss of Death podcast, the number one Houston Rockets podcast for the Fans First Sports Network. I'm Mike Brown. That is not Jeremy Brenner, but we are blessed tonight to be with, I would say, one of the best in Houston at what he does, Mr. Lashard Bingley. Lashard, how are you, my man? Man, I'm doing good. I appreciate the intro, too. Thank you. Well, you know, in my former life, I'm pretty sure I was a PA announcer for some sporting team. So I like yeah. to continue my my work here at the Kiss of Death <laughs> podcast. This is part two of three tonight of our 2023 training camp preview. We will be live tomorrow night, 8.30, right back here to break down everything about Media Day. Lashar, let's get right into it. This day, you look at the city of Houston, right? You said yeah. out a tweet a little bit ago. Obviously, you and I are on a show together for the first time. Massive day for the city of Houston, number one. Texans win to go to two and two, tied for first place. The Houston Astros once again showed who your daddy is to the (laughs) AL West division champs. J.J. Watt going into the ring of honor. I mean, only if they announce that the comments are coming back, could it be a bigger day in Houston, I feel like. That would be awesome. I've been waiting for that day for a while. I know the WNBA been talking about expanding. I mean, where should they expand first? It's definitely Houston. And don't forget about the Dash and the Dynamo as well. I mean, you got them winning it. So, you know, with the Rockets Media Day tomorrow and then training camp coming up, man, it's a lot of good things for once, you know, going on in Houston. That's true. My Dolphins got screwed by the refs today. Uh, well. losing by 28. <laughs> Only 28. We ain't going to talk about that. We ain't going to talk about that on this show. Only four uh, touchdowns. They were close. Well, you know, if they had six more quarters <laughs> in that game, they might have had a shot. But uh-huh. this is Houston Rockets basketball. We did – our Pops and I did a show the other night, Lashard. And yeah. looking forward to tonight, we've got questions five through nine. These are not necessarily – I didn't do any polling. These are my nine questions that I put together for what I want answered going into training camp and bleeding into the season. Um, and just to give everybody a recap, and if you haven't listened to the last show, <laughs> you should. Um, we did how good is Ima Udoka as it relates to 
He had he had one year in Boston, went to the NBA Finals. How good is he? We're, we need to find out because he's going to have to develop a lot of youth on this roster. So we covered that. We talked about Raphael Stone. Should he be on the hot seat headed into the season? Uh, we asked the question, can the Rockets become a contender under the ownership of Tillman Fertitta? And then finally, how do we resolve the KPJ situation? So if you guys want to go back and listen to that, please do so. But let's get straight into it tonight. The first question that I have, um, the question is phrased, can Jalen Green take the next step to become a superstar? And I feel like this is a very important question for the Rockets to answer on a lot of levels. A, they need a superstar on this team because they don't have one right now. And you're not going to win at the highest level. And I'm not saying they're going to do it this year. But looking forward, that's my point, is you've yeah. got to find that superstar. Either you got to develop them or you got to trade for them. In your opinion, is this a, question, a, a big question, one of the top nine questions facing this team heading into the season? And what is your take on Jalen Green? Do you feel like he has that superstar in him? Or is he more of a Kevin Martin type of guy that can go get a lot of points, but he's not going to be a part of a roster that can win a lot of games because he's going into year three and the first yeah. years did not turn out real well. So what are your expectations for Jalen going into this season? Well, first off, he has a better form than Kevin Martin. So at least he, you know, he has that going for him. But Kevin Martin was a bucket. Kevin Martin was a bucket. Don't get me wrong. I, I, he was one of my favorite players that it didn't last long here, but he was one of my favorite players playing Ooh. for the Rockets. But I, I would say, Jumper was ugly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I would say uh, the, the biggest thing about Jalen Green, we know he can score. It's not really about whether he's going to score. He averaged 22 points. Last year, that may even increase again this year. Um, efficiency, he definitely needs to pick that up. He only shot around 41% last year. Um, a lot of people compare him to Anthony Edwards. Um, but the thing about Anthony Edwards is it's not just that he approved his scoring. It's that he improved his overall game on the offense and defensive side. I mean, he improved his assist to over four assists a game. Um, he approved this, you know, just being clutch late in the game. Now, that's not Jalen Green's fault for the most part, that they weren't in a lot of these games so that he can show that he's clutch. Um, but he has to show that even with Fred Van Vliet coming in, even with Dylan Brooks coming in, that he can be a leader on this team. Because, I mean, we know uh, with Kevin Porter, you know, for good or bad, he was one of the leaders, if not the leader on the team last year. So we need to see that if Jalen Green kind of take off and be that leader next year, not just scoring, but just his overall game. There's no way Kevin Porter Jr. is at media day tomorrow, right? No. In your opinion? No. I, I don't think he'll be anywhere near the building, honestly. I say that tongue-in-cheek. There's no way. Like, there's like, I'm pretty sure X, formerly known as Twitter, would break. Yes. You yeah. Know? Which I mean, is – I would just say I'll be surprised if he's even in Houston, to be There's perfectly no honest with you. Yeah. yeah, I would be so off the grid if I was. <laughs> uh, but I agree with you. Look, I like Jalen, but I am. I don't know where you fall in this. I was a Mobley over Green guy in the draft because I felt like the Rockets needed that man in the middle. I still feel that way. But I love Jalen because it was uh, uh, Miles Turner who just applauded uh, Jalen Green with the way he's approached the game. Yeah. And I think he's such a good influence on the guys. I think he works hard. I think those videos that he posted with Fred Van Fleet over the summer, him working, he looks to be in great shape. The answer to this question, dear God, I hope is yes. Like, I, I truly hope because it saves so many things. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. saves, you know, our buddy Ryan says we should go try and get Malcolm Brogdon. 
I like Brogdon. But the thing is, if Jalen takes that next step, you don't have to send out assets to bring in a guy that you've homegrown developed already and you already have in the building. Yeah, I mean, and you got to also look at the Rockets need a secondary playmaker. Now that Kevin Porter Jr. is not ever going to play for the Rockets again, they yeah. need that secondary playmaker. I know, you know, people talk about Shangoon, but it's still totally – you need another guard that you can depend on because Fred Van Bleet is going to be your main guy. And then, they, yes, they're going to run some things through Alper and Shangoon, but you need a secondary playmaker. And Jalen Green showed some of that last year, um, but we need him to show a lot more this year and also to cut down on the turnovers um, because it was a lot of times where – he would kind of force things, and yes, the team was really bad, so I guess he felt like he had to force them. He doesn't really have to force this upcoming year, so he has to show that he can be that secondary playmaker. And, you know, when Fred Van Vliet's going out of the game, you know, when you have Thompson coming in, yes, Thompson is a good passer, but Jalen Green still needs to kind of show that leadership to show that, yes, you can put the ball in his hands and he's going to be able to run the offense and be able to get you in the right spots and get players like Jabari Smith the ball in the right spots um, to where, you know, he's able to get up easier shots. So I think overall when it comes down to it, it's not the scoring. It's only going to be on the defensive end he has to show improvement. And if he can show that he can be a secondary playmaker, then we can start talking about him in the Anthony Edwards conversation um, to where he's a possible all-star, probably not next year, but in the next couple uh, seasons he can kind of start being that borderline all-star that, like you were talking about, the Rockets are going to need and him eventually becoming that possible superstar that they, you know, were looking for when they drafted him number two overall. And by the way, yes, I was Mobley Mob at the time, so I guess I'll just admit that as well. <laughs> I'm just saying, but look, I, I think in Aaron Holiday, I, I don't even know if he's going to make the team, to be honest with you, because yeah. I think that they're going to have enough dudes already. Um, but I'm with you, man. Look, put a bow on this. We hope he becomes a superstar yeah. at bare minimum. Do I think he's going to become that? Do I think he can become Anthony Edwards? I do. I really do. Because I think Jalen Green has it all. If he improves on the defensive end, the, the league needs to be put on notice with Jalen Green. Cause I do yeah. feel like he's a part of that next crop of superstar. And if they get it in this kid, sky's the limit. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Question number six out of nine. Is Alperin Shingun a cornerstone piece at the center position? Now, let me go on record. <laughs> I don't know how much you heard about my takes on Shingun. Let me put it out there yeah. once again, because every game I get it, dude. Every single game I get it. Is he a great offensive player? Yes. Has he been terrible defensively throughout his first couple of years? Yes. Does he deserve a true shot under Udoka? Absolutely. And he's going to get that shot yeah. under Udoka. The answer to this question to me is no. I don't think he's going to be a cornerstone piece at the center position. As a matter of fact, I think he's going to be dealt within the next season and a half or so. That's why I think yeah. they're going to move him. Because I think that they could get some decent value for him and find a guy that uh, – Doka likes better at the center spot. But what say you? Do you feel like because he what's so funny, Lichard, is Rockets Twitter is a fickle beast. Oh fickle beast. yes. My goodness. Like the only Twitter that's worse than the Rockets is the Dolphins. <laughs> if you can't like be in the middle on anybody, either you love the guy or you hate him. If you oh, have yeah. sort of criticism, you hate the guy. I do not hate the guy. I love him offensively. 
Yeah. Love the guy offensively. But goodness gracious, is he awful defensively. But what say you? Do you think he's a cornerstone piece? So I'll start with this first. On the defensive side, he definitely needs some improvement. I will also say that it's so hard to – that's the thing. It's hard to judge a lot of these players because the team was just so bad. It was no offensive game plan. It was no defensive game plan. The team was just kind of just running around out there like they were playing pickup ball a lot of time. So a lot of times, Alfred and Goon was put in the wrong situation. They played a lot of drop coverage, which we saw that didn't work out well at all. We know that, you know, we know that MA is a, definitely a, a defensive-minded type of coach. So if, if you can't improve defensively under Ime, then you're not going to improve because that's his number one thing. He wants to bring players in. He wants to. Sh- he wants your team to be a defensive-minded team before anything else. Offensively, yes, he's a great post-up player. He's a good uh, playmaker. He has to improve his three-point shooting. Now, again – that has something to do with the coaching, telling him not to shoot three-pointers at all. You can tell a lot of times he wants to shoot, but he would hesitate out on three-point line. I remember asking Coach Silas after a game, do y'all encourage him to take wide-open threes? And he pretty much said no. We don't encourage him to take that shot because we don't believe, to kind of paraphrase, we don't believe that's kind of in his, in his you know, the strengths of his game. So you can tell he was hesitant shooting those wide-open shots. He has to improve on that as well, like I said, in Boston. Uh, M.A. had where Al Horford could stretch the floor, and you're going to need that from Shane Goon if he's ever going to improve his game overall. To get back around to the question that you asked me originally, can he be a cornerstone? I just don't think on this team he could be a cornerstone just because you just brought in Fred Van Vliet, who's going to be handling the ball a lot. Um, I know people used to complain about Ken Porter Jr. handling the ball, but they're going to put the ball in Fred Van Vliet's hands. You don't, you don't sign anybody to that amount of a contract um, even though, yes, I know the last year is not guaranteed, but they still want him to be the facilitator on this team. Jalen Green's going to be taking another step. We haven't even talked about Jabari Smith. We saw, and we're going to talk about a little bit more about that later, but we saw what Jabari Smith did in summer league. So he's going to—he's not going to just want to be standing in the corner. He's going to want the ball more. So I think it's more about the other players on the team that's going to keep Shangun from being the cornerstone of this team because – they drafted Jalen Green number two. They drafted Jabari Smith number three. Exactly. They're going to invest their time into those players. I agree, man. I Listen, I'm with you. It sounds like you and I are on the same page with Shangun, which is yeah. kind of a wait and see. Exactly. And it's so weird because if you put him at the five, we talked about this pre-show, he's a good rebounder, but he's not a great rebounder yet. He averages nine rebounds a game for a guy who subs seven foot. It's pretty good. But all the stats of the last couple of years, I throw out the window. Because no offense to Silas, he was awful at his job. He had no idea what he was doing. He was trying to coach a roster that he had no business coaching. And to be fair to him, he was brought in to coach Harden and company. Yeah. But then he he's given another team. And there was a reason why the guy was an assistant in the league for 20 years. Again, no offense to him. He, yeah. he was in over his head with this roster. I think going into Udoka – if he improves defensively, we've we've got a a star on our hands. I mean, the guy. I mean, how many guys have have lauded uh, Shangun's abilities on the offensive end? Oh, Let's yeah. start talk, Kevin Durant. I mean, Kevin Durant went on a podcast and said, "This dude can ball." There's no doubt. There are dudes yeah. that can ball that don't have a job right now. Isaiah Thomas is a perfect example. I'm not comparing the two, but I'm just saying guys who have a lot of skill sometimes don't stick in the league for different reasons. Yeah. I don't think that's him, 
And again, this is the sentiment that I look at. He's a forward. He's not a center. Yeah. You know, you just, the problem with that, though, is, again, I go back to the shooting. So it's kind of like he's in between. Exactly. Because, yeah, him being that power forward would be nice, but you need somebody that can stretch the floor. I mean, center, You, I mean, this day and age, you need to stretch the floor, but absolutely at the forward position, you have to be able to at least be shooting, you know, close to 35 36% from three. And we know Shangun was definitely under 30% last year. So, again, will we see an improvement in that? To me, that's that's the biggest thing. Yeah, the defensive end, but you can kind of hide different things on the defensive end with your game plan, your scheming. But you cannot hide when you're wide open and nobody's guarding you and you're missing wide open threes. It's, it's no way around that in this day and age. Or you're going to end up being like a uh, – we were kind of talking about pre-show, like a Robert Williams. Now, Robert Williams is, is good in spurts, but yeah. teams can kind of game plan him out if he's playing 30, 40 minutes a game, which is what they're going to be looking – to play Shangu, maybe not 40 minutes a game, but he's definitely probably going to play, you know, 30, 31 minutes a game. You have to be able to clear up some of those deficiencies in your game, especially when you're trying to actually win this year. And it's not all about just being development and, oh, well, this guy's developed, so who cares? We lost by 30. That's out the window now. You know, Tillman Fertitta is probably is not going to be happy with them winning 25 games, but, oh, Alper and Shangu developed this year. And, uh, you know, I mean, Thompson, he looked he looked good out there. They don't care about that. They care about winning games this year. So, yeah, when it all comes down to it, Shane Goon has to improve that part of his game. That's probably the most important part for him is his outside shooting. Because, like I said, defensive, def- defensively, you can get away with not being great defensively. But if you give effort like he does, maybe you can kind of move around with that. But shooting, there's no way of getting around that. You're either a good shooter or you're not a good shooter. And right now, Shangun hasn't been a good shooter this first couple of years. I agree, man. And the thing, you know, it's it said that he's more of a forward. But what's what's weird about this team is that it's almost like an island of misfit toys at spots. Because <laughs> yeah. if you were to put him at the four, then where do you put Jabari? Then where do you put Brooks? Then where are the minutes yeah. for Cam Whitmore? What about Tari Eason? What about Jay Sean Tate? Like the yeah. list just goes on and on. Well, it doesn't go on and on because it stopped where I just stopped it. But you get my <laughs> yeah. point is that you yeah. can't move. Dylan Brooks isn't a four. That's your three. Jabari's got to be your four, which means unless you plan on benching Shangun, which I don't think you're going to do, no. that's what he's got to play. And we got to hope that he continues to fill out his frame so he can go up against the likes of uh, DeAndre Ayton, Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid, Jokic, no. Bam Adebayo. Uh, even Nick Claxton gave him some problems last year when we when we played Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, oh dear God! If Kyrie didn't resign with Dallas, I would have taken that risk. No, no. <laughs> the nope. Rockets don't need any more headaches, and that Ryan, is an absolute Ryan, headache. Brian, <laughs> we're gonna move on to question number seven before we get into that. Uh, yeah. Okay. So seventh question is about Jabari. Yeah. Here's the thing about Jabari that. The question is what he showed this summer, which was a much improved version of what we saw last year. Yeah. Is it a flash in the pan or with all these new pieces coming in? What is. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Who is Jabari Smith? That's a question that has to be answered. Is he Trevor Ariza reincarnated on this team? Is he more of a trying to give a good example, man. I'm trying to think of... He needs to be more of a Rashard Lewis. That's I would take, take a Rashard Lewis type. Let me tell you something. For the kids listening to the show, Rashard <laughs> Lewis is a bad, yeah. bad man. That dude could stroke it. He could defend. He could do it all, and he was a Houston guy. Yeah, Love me some Rashard Lewis. Yeah. Um, so where do you land with Jabari? Because I, I lean more towards the Rashard Lewis. I'm a big Jabari fan because I think he approaches the game with the right mentality. I think he's coachable and I think he's cocky, which you have got to be in today's NBA. You got to have a little swagger. You got to walk into the room like you belong there. He's got that, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember talking to him earlier in the year and you could kind of tell like, not that he was starstruck, but like any rookie, he was kind of trying to find his footing in the league. And then as the season went on, you kind of just saw the improvement and the confidence kind of went up, especially after that game they had against Milwaukee where, you know, he had that great sequence against, you know, Giannis and, you know, blocked his shot on one end and he went down and scored on the other end. And then as the season went on, his shooting also improved as well. And I think that this year, the main thing is, the Rockets have to put him in better positions because we all know last year, a lot of times they would just park him in the corner like a Trevor Ariza and just ask him just to shoot. That's, they need to expand this game. He's too good not to be in the post. We saw that in summer league where he can be in the post and he can score in the post. He can score from mid-range. Um, uh, one thing that he also – I remember asking him, what do you think about them putting smaller players on you? Like a lot of teams were just switching guards on him because they didn't think he would do anything in the post. And as the season went on, he said he found that disrespectful – that, you know, they were putting these small guards on them and thought that those small guards can guard them. And to hear that, I mean, that's kind of like that should make all Rockets fans happy because that's what you want to hear from your, especially your young players, your young high lottery pick players. You want to hear that they feel like it's disrespectful if they put a 6'3 guard on Jabari Smith, who's probably close to seven feet at this point. He felt like he should be able to punish those guys. So I think that the Rockets need to put them in better positions than they did last year. And I think they will. And I think that Jabari Smith's going to demand that. And that's why I was saying about Alper and Shingun possibly being a cornerstone. I just think that with Jabari Smith and Jalen Green taking those next steps, you can only have so many players that can be your cornerstones. Exactly. I mean, at some point, some players just have to be really good role players. But I think that when it comes down to it, Jabari Smith and Jalen Green are going to eventually be your two best players. Maybe not next year because Fred Van Vliet is still pretty good. Um, and Dylan Brooks, I mean, we saw what he did with Cat- Team Canada. But eventually in the next two or three years, if those two players aren't your best players, then you probably did something wrong in the draft. Two things I want to piggyback off that. Where do you land with the celebration when somebody scores on somebody that they feel is too small? to cover them where they like <laughs> yeah. go down and they do yeah. one of these, you know what I'm trying to do with my hand, like too small. Yeah. I, I love that celebration. Like oh, that is yeah. to the nth degree. And I'm here. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we, I think we saw that a lot last year. I mean, yes. I don't know. We didn't, we didn't see a lot with the Rockets, but we no, saw. There wasn't much we, celebrating going on, but yeah, it wasn't a lot of celebrating. But I mean, I, I remember like you know you watching Patrick Beverly and the Russell Westbrook types. They <laughs> loved doing that when they were scoring against smaller guards. But I mean, I hopefully you'll see that next year because I think teams are still going to be trying to switch smaller guards onto Jabari Smith because they wanted him to show that he'd be able to punish these guys in the post. And I think you need to see Jabari Smith more in the post and not just out there jacking up threes because how can you get in a rhythm if you're just out there just shooting, you know, catch and shoot threes all game long? He needs to be – not to say he needs to be handling the ball, you know, up and down the court like he's, you know, Christian Wood or anybody like that. But oh he God. definitely needs to be more involved in the offense. And I think that starts with getting him in the post, letting him shoot that turnaround that he did in summer league and just kind of have him coming off of pin downs and have him get a wide of a shot. Nobody's blocking his shot. I don't care if it's a power forward or center on him. Nobody's really going to be able to block his shot. So he needs to be on the move more, getting the post more. And I think that – I think Jabari, to me, Jabari can end up being the Rockets' best two-way player on the team. And even if he's not a superstar, that's very important on any team, you know, trying to actually compete and trying to get back to the playoffs. I agree, man. Uh, dude, yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. Quick question from a listener who won the Milwaukee or Portland deal. Initially, Portland got fleeced. I mean, fleeced in that deal. What what they did today with Drew Holiday, landing more pieces, more draft yeah. capital, they're going to then flip Robert Williams. I love what Portland is doing right now, but I only love this deal if they sent Robert Williams to Houston. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I'm not a huge Nurkish fan because he's never healthy. So being able to get Aiden, I think I think you're going to see a rejuvenated Aiden because I think he was just done with Phoenix. I don't think he just even wanted to be there anymore. So I think you're going to see a rejuvenated Aiden. And then, I mean, you already, of course, we all know they got they got scooped. They have Shaden Sharp. They have some good pieces there. I think at the end of the day, it's better than what they ever they was going to get from Miami because Miami wasn't going to get him Bam out of Bayou. It wasn't, of course, going to get him Jimmy Butler. And I don't think that Portland wanted Tyler Hero. So it's better than what they would have got from Miami. So I guess at the end of the day, I guess they did come out on top, you know, when you think about it that way. I agree. Uh, Let's get to the eighth out of nine questions facing the Rockets heading into training camp, which begins Tuesday, media day tomorrow. So exciting. So exciting. (laughs) The best time of the year, by the way. I don't know if you can tell. You got football. You got baseball. You got volleyball going on. I mean, there's so many sports. Like, I don't even know what to watch at this point. <laughs> I'm about the Dolphins who crapped the bed today, LeSharp, but we uh, won't talk about that. That's a different story, yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, let's get to my <laughs> favorite topic right now when it comes to the Rockets, and that's Dylan Brooks. Yeah. Because I feel like so many people are down on this guy simply because of the contract. And I get it, and they're down on him because of what he showed last year in Memphis, which I think he got an unfair shake in Memphis. I think no. they made him a scapegoat in a lot of things that happened there, and he took it. He didn't complain about it. He back, you know, he went out and he put his money where his mouth was. And the no. Rockets identified him as a guy that they wanted, brought him in, balled out for Canada. I've seen him doing community service while he's here. Yeah, not that that's important, but it is important. You know what yeah. I like? Those are the types of things, especially with what the Rockets are going through with KPJ. New coach, trying to get this new identity. I feel like Dylan Brooks is a massive part of this. And the question that I ask is, can Dylan Brooks become a leader on and off the court? Because this is on the court. He's a top five perimeter defender in the league. Numbers back that up. He's a guy that shoots the ball way too much in bad situations because I feel like he thinks he he could do that in Memphis. 
Can yeah. Udoka rein that in? Can he make him more yeah. of a leader on this team? Can he be a guy that other guys can follow off the court? Where do you land? Yeah, I think I think last year was a wake up call for him um, because maybe he didn't he wasn't going to be out of the league, but there was some talk that he wasn't going to get anywhere near what he thought he was going to get, and that guy that has to creep into your mind. Like, yes, you want to be aggressive on the court, yeah, you want to have that edge, but at the end of the day, you have to be smart about it. And a lot of times he wasn't smart about it. I mean, pushing over a photographer, getting in LeBron James' face, you can't get in LeBron James' face, and then go out there and shoot two for 15 like he did in the in the closeout game. But I think that was a kind of a wake-up call to him. And I think we kind of saw the Rockets – I kind of I wrote – I remember writing an article on this that the Rockets need the Team Canada version of Dylan Brooks where he was still aggressive. He was still out there, you know, talking mess to other players, but he was still – he was under control. He wasn't out of control and he wasn't doing stuff that took away from the team's success. That's the Dylan Brooks that the Rockets need. And that's that's the – Rockets just needed that type of player in the locker room because they haven't had it in a while. We know P.J. Tucker checked out uh, before he got traded. Eric Gordon was checked out. I know that for a fact before he got traded. So they really didn't have that veteran leadership. And, yes, I know they they had Boban last year, and everybody loves Boban. But at the end of the day, you have to have – to be able to really listen to another player, they have to be a player that's actually playing meaningful minutes in a game. So you're going to listen to a Dylan Brooks. You're going to listen to a Fred Van Vliet. And I know this question is about Dylan Brooks, but Fred Van Vliet is another one who will get into other players' faces. He did that a lot in Toronto. I know they rubbed a lot of the players the wrong way, but he will get in their face if they're not doing the right thing, and that's the same thing Dylan Brooks will do. And they absolutely need that type of leadership on this team because not you know any fault of their own. I mean, they were all really young last year. It's kind of hard to be a leader if you've never really done it yourself in the NBA you've only been in the league a year or two so now you bring in a Dylan Brooks who will command respect you know one thing you, can, you never can say about Dylan Brooks is that he doesn't go out there and play hard every single play so that's absolutely somebody they need he'll be their best defensive player and he will probably him and Fred Van Vliet will be the leaders of this team next season Again, we talked about this pre-show, but we got to mention it here on the show so that people can yeah. live vicariously through this. He's gonna fight. At, he's gonna try and fight at least one teammate. He's gonna try and fight at least one vendor at some point for some. Maybe a mascot. Yeah, a mascot. <laughs> uh, like, and and I say that jokingly, and, and obviously yeah. I hope he doesn't do any of those things. But it's the mentality that this team so desperately needs. Yeah. They they didn't have that, and like you know, you and I watched nearly every game last season. Yeah. I mean, I think I missed maybe three or four games last season. They didn't play with fire enough at the time. There were times. There were times that they played with that passion for the game, but they didn't do it often enough. And I feel like yeah. that's one thing that this team is not going to lack this year. Because if yeah. you show up and you decide, oh, you know, I'm going to go 50% tonight, Udoka, Fred oh, yeah. Van Fleet, uh, Dylan Brooks, and a guy we haven't mentioned yet, and he didn't make it into my top nine, Jeff Green, Green. as yep. a signing to this team is so massive. Yep. I can't. It's hard to put into words because of the video. What was it last year in the NBA Finals? You know what video I'm talking about? Him and uh, Aaron Gordon. Oh yeah, yeah. you know what video he's I'm giving them instructions. Yep. yep, right under the basket, and that went under the radar, except for the people that found it and talked about it. Yeah, that's what they need. 
Because there are going to be times this year where Shangun's going to get lost defensively, I imagine. Just like every player will. I'm not just singling out Shangun, But Jeff Green's going to be right there. John Lucas is still going to be a part of the, the day-to-day for this team. Yeah. I feel like for the first time in four years with these types of guys, and we veered away a little bit from Brooks, but it is an important topic to, to discuss. These guys need that leadership, and I feel like they've got it. I feel, I, yeah. I feel good about it. I don't, I don't know why. I'm trying to be optimistic here. Yeah. Let me put it like this. If, if you don't play defense this year, if you're lack of days ago not getting back on a fast break because you're not getting the ball, I mean, whatever the case is, you're not going to play this year. I mean, yes, we know that players like Jalen Green are going to be put on the bench and playing five minutes a game, but there will be situations where, hey, he go out there and he's lack of days ago. That's, that kind of happened sometime last year. Mm-hmm. There are going to be times where he's going to be set down on the bench and he may not play for long stretches of game. But now you have a coach where he's been to the NBA Finals, and now you can't – it's not like with Silas where, yeah, he was assistant for 20 years, but he had never been a head coach before. So these players, they may have liked him, but how much did they respect him or how much did they fear him? Not to say that you have to yell and scream and be in somebody's face all the time, but you got to have some fear that, hey, if I go out there and I'm like a days ago, they're going to stick me on the bench or I'm not going to get the playing time or I'm not going to – whatever the case is, you got to have some type of – healthy fear of your head coach. And I think they're going to have that now because we know that, you know, M.A. is not going anywhere anytime soon. So, in the day, it's going to be his way or the highway. And before, it may have been where, yeah, uh, Rafael Stone had more of a say in the day-to-day. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think it's M.A.'s team, what M.A. say goes. So, now we have a coach that can put his foot down and it's actually going to mean something. I agree, man. And you bring up a fascinating point that we t- we talked about last show, but I, I want to get your take on this as well. Stone, to me, is on the hot seat. And I think it's because exactly what you just talked about. It's very reminiscent to what the Texans are going through with yeah. Miko, McNair, and Casario. Yeah, I feel yeah. like with the Texans, Casario, it's not that he's on the hot seat. Maybe hot seat's not the right word, but this is not Casario's team anymore. This is Demico yeah. Lyons' team. Yeah. Just like the Rockets this year, this is not Stone's team. This is Ime Udoka's team. Yeah. And I feel like Ime went to Fertitta and said, go get me Fred Van Fleet and Dylan Brooks. And not go James Harden. <laughs> exactly. You know, but yeah. it, it, it's, it's a very interesting passing of the torch because the torch wasn't passed from Stone to Udoka. It was passed from Fertitta for Stone to Udoka, because Udoka is yeah. not going anywhere, but Stone yeah. can be out the door tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I want Bob Myers to run this team. <laughs> I, I'll say this if they go out there and they only win 25 games this year, then yeah, we're going to start hearing the questions because at the end of the day, like, like we were saying, we're both saying, EMA is not going to be fired. and next year or the year after that. He's going to be here for a while. So now all the pressure is on Rafael because there's no buffer now. There's no, hey, yeah, Rafael should have did this better, but, you know, Coach Silas, he's horrible. There's not that buffer there anymore. So if they don't win this year, then everybody's going to be like, okay, it's the general manager. You can't fire Tillman for Tita. So honestly, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's Rafael's – this is his year. Because before, people could say, well, he kind of put in a hard spot. Harden kind of bailed on him on the last second. He had to rebuild the team. But now, 
he had the money this past off season. He had, you know, he had the opportunity to bring in players. So now the onus is really going to be on him. Yeah, you know, MA has to go out there and coach the players. It's still ultimately going to fall on his record. But at the end of the day, if they don't win this year, I won't say he's on the hot seat right now. But like I said, if they go out there and win 25, 26 games, then we're really going to start hearing those conversations really start firing up towards the end of the year. And I think, and I think it's I think it's deservedly so. Because if they're winning 25, 26 games, I got a lot of questions. And I got yeah, a lot. something went something went wrong. Exactly. Yes. Because you, you know, it's and it's funny that some say, and the final question that we're going to get to in a minute is can this be a playoff team? And to me, the expectations by what they did this offseason have set the bar at playoffs. Because if they didn't have that intention, then why are you paying seven and a half million dollars for your head coach a year? Why are you paying Fred Van Fleet $130 million over the next three years? Why did you give Dylan Brooks a four-year deal for $80 million? Why did you bring in Jeff Green? Why did you bring in, you know, a, a nice reserve in Jock Landale? In no. all of these things, you have to ask yourself, the playoffs are at minimum to me this year. If they don't yeah. make the playoffs this year, it's a disappointing season to me. I'm not saying that they won't yeah. make it. I'm just saying that's, I think, that goofy, stupid, playing tournament, weird thing at the end of the year that is so nonsensical and I hate it. But that's the minimum for me is the Rockets have yeah. got to make it into the play-in tournament. So I would say it's, it's hard because if you look at the records last year and you look at the teams that made the play-in, minimum 40 games was to get into the play-in. Now you look at the teams that made it, what teams are going to fall out of that? Now, of course, it changes every year. We don't really know to the guy on the court. But just looking at the teams and what the players they have now, what teams are going to have to fall out that the Rockets are able to get into that play? And then you got to look at teams like that were in front of them. Um, yeah, Portland did lose Damian Lillard, but Damian Lillard didn't even play a lot last year. And Portland had like 10 more wins than the Rockets did last year. And they've actually improved. Honestly, they've improved since last year. And then, of course, we don't know what's going to happen with San Antonio. And then so then you start looking at what team's going to fall out. Is New Orleans going to fall out? They they might be actually getting back Zion Williamson. Who knows how long he's going to play. But even without Zion, they made, they made the play in. Yeah, so, right. I mean, you know, Golden State's not going to fall out. Um, OKC has gotten better. I mean, Chet Holmgren was, didn't even play last year. So Fair. I think it's more about how many wins the Rockets can get uh, and instead of whether they get into the play or not, because it's, it's going to be rough in the West to get into that play-in spot because just so many teams that are still probably going to be, at least at the beginning of the year, better than the Rockets. I think, to me, a successful season is 35 to 40 wins in that range. I expect them to probably win closer to that 35. If they win 40 then that, to me, is a successful season for the Rockets. I mean, if they went 40-41, I think Rockets fans should be freaking ecstatic compared to the most they've had in the last three years is 22 yeah. games, and this has been the worst three-year stretch in the Rockets' history, and this goes all the way back to freaking San, uh, San Diego. So if they get 40-41 wins, I think we almost might want to throw a parade for the Rockets down by Toyota Center. You want to you want to lead it? You want to you want to get a float? <laughs> you and I, hey, I already be down there anyway. I'll be down there anyway, so yeah, I can get this kicked off. So I look, we could do this for another 2 hours. I mean, there's so many yeah. different things we can talk about. I am with you, dude. I, and I think it's okay to set these expectations a little bit higher than that just for me. Yeah. Because of the things that I outlined. And 
look, if they win 35 games and they come in 12th place um, in the West, to me, it's a disappointing. I did want to get your, your take on one final thing. I know it's late. Yeah. We all got work tomorrow. Thank you all for, for hanging out this long with us. We always appreciate it. Absolutely. The biggest thing for me is we just went through, like you said, the worst three years of Rockets basketball ever, right? Pretty much ever. <laughs> the question for me is, and I want to live in the moment now, and it, it goes back to what we talked about a little bit earlier. My mindset is what's next? for this roster. And what I mean by that is we threw out names like a Joel Embiid. If it goes south in Philadelphia, should the Rockets essentially blow this thing up the way it is now constructed and go get a Joel Embiid? That's what the Rockets have to ask themselves because this roster is not good enough right now to contend for a title. No. Everyone knows that. But people also know that if there's talent that becomes available, Tillman Fertitta is going to look at it and assess it. That's where my mind is right now, is trade deadline comes. Things go south in Philadelphia. Do the Rockets make that move now, or do they wait? Because I don't, I don't know the yeah. answer to that. I don't know what's going to happen with these guys. I could honestly see this team winning 45 games this year. If everything works yeah. out well. Do you blow this thing up because you know you can't contend for a title? It's a really weird spot for Fertitta because Fertitta didn't go all in in 17 when he had that roster. He didn't go into the luxury tax like he should have. So is he going to do it now? Is he going to – sorry, this – and yeah. biased, this is one of the most fascinating teams in the entire league. We haven't even talked about the KPJ thing. That, <laughs> yeah. This Rockets team is going to be fun to cover. They're going to be fun to watch. They're going to be yeah. fun to follow. Like, I guess to put a bow on this as we get ready for media day tomorrow, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. And honestly, I don't really know what's going to happen either. Cause, <clears throat> excuse me, if you look at it, there's so many questions that goes into it. And yes, I mean, of course, Joel and B will make the Rockets better. But what would you have to give up? Would you have to go up a Jalen Green? Anna Jabari are. I don't think I don't think Ahmed's going anywhere anytime soon because he's you know a rookie and they still you know trying to find out what they have with him. So it's going to be a lot of questions going into this year, and I think we really won't know what this team is really is until we get into December and January because they're still going to be figuring out a lot of things early on in the season. So people shouldn't get too down if they go out there and they start out five and ten or something like that because I mean you got. Basically, a brand new offensive system, brand new defense system, brand new coaching staff, brand new leaders in the locker room. Um, it's going to take a lot of, you know, I know the Texans are kind of blowing, you know, expectations out of water with them already being two and two. But you, if you look at it, the Rockets, are going to have a lot of questions, and I think that they're going to one way or another. I think they're going to let this season play out, and but if they have a disappointing, let's say they only win thirty games, then that's when it's going to get really interesting because as we talked about before the show, we got extensions coming up for Jalen Green and Alper and Shangoon. So the Rockets, they go out there and have a disappointing season. You're probably not going to be able to get rid of Fred Van Vliet until, you know, that final year when he's, you know, or at least that third year when he's not guaranteed his final year. Um, I don't think you're going to be able to move Dylan Brooks because he has four year guaranteed on his contract. So then you're going to be start talking about players like Jalen Green, Alperen Shangoon, possibly even Jabari Smith. 
if you're talking about taking that big swing because you know we know teams aren't just going to give you their star players for nothing no. even unless unless you're probably like uh Portland or somebody like that but normally you're not going to just give away your star players for nothing especially uh star players that even next year Joel and B will still be in the prime of his career I mean you know Damian Lillard's already in his mid 30s and he's probably on the back end of his prime, but Joel Embiid will still be in the prime of his career. So if you're going to get a Joel Embiid, you're going to be competing with a lot of different teams. And now we know Giannis is probably going to be off the market now that the Bucks took that big swing. Um, so, yeah, you're probably going to be looking at players like Joel Embiid as somebody that I think Tim and Fertitta would take a swing at because at the end of the day, he's about making money. And – you're not going to make money if your team continue to lose because p- people are not going to be buying merchandise and not going to come out to the games mm. and they're not going to be watching you on your new broadcast network. So mm. at the end of the day, the Rockets need to win. So whatever they need to do to win, I think that people call Tim a cheap, but I think he likes to make money as well. And he knows that now that they are past the grace period of the last couple of years, they, ha- they have to start winning and start winning big here in the next two or three years. You said it right. I think this is a decent place to park the rocket ship. Uh, Again, we could do this a couple more hours. (laughs) Yes. That's right. You're welcome back literally anytime. You let me know. I had a blast talking shop with you. Please let the the people know where they can find you, your work, everything you've got going on. Uh, That's going to take, I mean, about 25 minutes with as much as you're involved. (laughs) Uh, well, of course, you can find me on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, uh, at Binkley Hoops. Um, I have my own podcast, Rockets Field Podcast with uh, Vader. You can definitely check that out. Also, right for the Dream Shake. So I'll be out at uh, Media Day tomorrow, and I'll be out at Louisiana, at least the first three days covering training camp. And then also right for SB Nation, kind of just general articles, kind of, you know, just depending on what the big news of the day is. So, yeah, there's a lot going on, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad basketball season back because it's been a long off season of no basketball. <laughs> it's back, baby. We're back. Make sure to follow the kiss of death at Rockets FFSN. Once again, for the fans for sports network, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Brown underscore 2020. Follow Jeremy at Jeremy Brenner. We'll be back live here tomorrow night, 8 30 PM central time to break down all things media day related. And until next time, Rockets fans go Rockets. <laughs>